Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Larry Hardesty in for Anita. New York Game Day on 9870 ESPN brought to you by Bud Light. Enjoy your game day. Also brought to you by Telemore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple blended, triple distilled, and triple cast matured Irish Whiskey. Make sure to grab a Telemore Dew during tonight's action. Remember, when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please enjoy responsibly. 10 o'clock, just after the 10 o'clock hour here on New York Game Day, Larry Hardesty, Matthias Kiwanuka, and we're joined by ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. All right, Mike, it's week 14. You're, you're GM of either the Jets or Giants. You've got – your team is still in the postseason. What is today like? What, 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 what goes through your mind as a GM on this day? Well, there's a reason Joe Douglas doesn't have any hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always said, you know, the two things that happened to me when I was GM was less hair and more weight, and it's just um, – it's for days like today. And, you know, just starting with that game in Buffalo and, uh, you know, look, Joe's done a really good job, um, but it's really like depth against depth. And let's go, you know, right up front here. So, you know, as Rich to me reported with Max Mitchell being out guys, this is their seventh offensive line combination, which is far from ideal, uh, you know, when you're on the road, but on the other side of the ball, we know that, you know, the great Von Miller is out. So, you know, from a team building roster construction standpoint, guys, like your depth is being tested early right up front and because of that <clears throat> that's going to be to me how this game goes if the Jets can handle the deep Buffalo Bill pass rush which is relentless in nature then I think they have a chance you know to be in there in the fourth quarter if they can't because of the depth of their offensive line I think this could be a really long day for the Jets what if anything can you do about offensive line problems at this point in the season you know i've always been a proponent of the fact that offensive linemen need time to play together it's not always about the individual play but you know as a unit they need time to understand how each other is going to is going to play as a gm like i know you always talk about scouring but what else can you implement to try to help smooth that out yeah kiwi you know it's just that time of year i mean that's why baker mayfield despite not playing great in carolina gets picked up by the rams and and mm-hmm. candidly i thought he was going to be picked up by more teams just it's when you're post trade deadline it's just hard to get good players like you know obviously lots have been made of obj uh, you know obviously it's the medical that's holding his situation up but it's just really hard guys you know and let's give the jets credit they went out they signed dwayne brown in august like that to me is an example of, of scouring right you're doing the best mm-hmm. you can but, you know, their, their depth is being tested. They went out and they signed Duranvay Tardif, who, um, you know, at one point was a good player for the Chiefs. It's just hard. There's just not great offense linemen hanging out there in December. Especially, yeah, you're right, Mike, at this time of the year, because if they're out there, they're probably fair to say they're, they're on the lower end of, of guys that you really were trying to work. They're, they're really depth guys that, that may be limited in skill in certain situations. Yeah, or Larry, like it's a it's a situation like an OBJ where for whatever reason, you know, injury, you know, rehab, whatever it may be, you know, they're out there. You know, in Baker's case, it was um, obviously he wanted a fresh start. They wanted a fresh start, and the rest the rest is history on that one. So, 
Um, like to me, you know, they're doing the best they can. They're going to patchwork this thing, but that place is really hard to play. It's mm-hmm. loud, um, and that this is where home field advantage, like throughout the weather, just is impactful. So now, like the, moving the chess match forward, what, if I'm the Jets and I'm Mike Lafleur, what I'm saying is, okay, what do I have? What's in the quick game? You know, Bam Knights sort of like emerged the last couple of weeks. What else can we do to get the ball? You know, behind the line of scrimmage. You know, running catch guys like Elijah Moore. Garrett Wilson, because I don't want to lose a game in the first quarter. Um, I think a great axiom applies here, which is like when you're on the road, guys, you're not going to win the game in the first quarter, but you certainly can lose it. And and uh, if I'm Mike LaFleur, like I want to settle the crowd down. I want to come out of the first quarter. If it's 0-0, I'm really, really happy. But I can't have Mike White third and eight, third and night, because even though you know Buffalo is missing Von Miller, they they have some talent there. You know, one guy I like in particular is Greg Rousseau. I think he has a chance to be a really good pass rusher. Boogie Basham, um, AJ Epinenza, and to me, like when you look at what they've done up front, like that shows like the commitment they've made to the D line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How, how much of Mike White's um, evaluation process is? going to be affected on how he plays you know these last couple games like his his career going forward is there is there a place for him are they trying to make a place for him or is he just a gap fill for right now uh you know i think it's a great from an evaluation standpoint because if we were running the jets guys like one of the things we always used to say is like how do we want our division and anybody we're going to be evaluating like this is a really important game every game matters in evaluation but this one's even more important because of, you know, you're on the road in Buffalo. If Mike White plays well today, that's very, very meaningful in my opinion because if you can win on the road in Buffalo, like, that's about as hard as it gets, you know. Obviously, you got to play well in Miami, in Foxborough, but, you know, Josh Allen's not going anywhere. Neither is this Buffalo Bill team. So this is a really good opportunity for Mike White today. Mike, does it does it concern you that Mike White is more of a stationary quarterback where we're kind of trending towards guys that can move like Josh Allen, like Jalen Hurts, and we'll talk about Giants Philly in a couple of minutes, but you know, guys that can extend plays, does that limit you as to how you're concerned or do you just adjust your play calling uh, accordingly? Yeah, you know, Larry, I think it's probably a little bit more of the latter. You know, like it's – look, you, you would love to have – you know, a, a guy that looks like Josh Allen. There's just only so many of those guys on the planet. And, you know, I think Jalen Hurts' his character is a lot of the reasons why, you know, he's improved because he was a second-round pick. He had problems with accuracy. He's gotten a lot better. Um, but typically guys playing at that level are first-rounders. So you can win with Mike White. It's not, look, is his skill set perfect? No. I mean, that's why, you know, he's been drafted and been a backup. But you can improve. You know, Kirk Cousins has turned out to be – you know, a very productive quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a number of guys that aren't the high-end athletes that you can win with. It's not ideal, but again, you know, there's maybe eight to ten guys that you would say, like, look ideal in terms of height, weight, speed. You alluded to um, Baker Mayfield and him having success, you know, after, you know, being released. Like, talk to me, what was what was your perspective? Like, how did you view the game and his performance, and what were your expectations going in versus what he did coming out of it? You know what was really cool to me, guys, and I, I've been harsh on uh, Baker from an evaluation standpoint because he's height and speed deficient. You know, Larry, I don't know if you've ever seen Kiwi in person, but he's like six eight and he can jump with really long arms. I've and, seen him. Yeah. So when you have a quarterback that's five eleven and can't jump, like physics gets in the way of productivity. And there are exceptions, you know, like the Russell Wilsons and Drew Brees, but like Baker is always going to have like those sort of you know limitations and. The thing that really stood out to me was, I think after the game, his gratitude, 
in terms of like, hey, I'm really happy to be here and we won a game. And I think there's ways you can make him successful despite his limitations. If I was him, guys, candidly, what I would have done is I would have walked in on Friday morning to the L.A. Ram front office and say, I am signing one year at the minimum, and I'm going to invest my future in Sean McVay, and I don't Mm. care if I'm second string, third string, fourth string. I don't care if you want me to bring water out to the practice, but he's still a young player, guys, but he has to get better. He, I think he's been humbled by being released basically by two teams in a calendar year. And, you know, his career was, look, when 32 teams can claim you and only one does, that, that has to send a message to you. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting, Mike. Did Aside from how many people evaluated him, including yourself, did him playing hurt in the last year in Cleveland, did that hurt him or help him? Yeah, I, I know that's kind of out there, you know, his shoulder and all. But I, I don't know. I'm more for one of, like, everyone's banged up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like Josh Allen's elbow, for example, is well documented. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to probably miss a week or two. Like, um, I had a tweet earlier. Like, I think we're on, like, our 57th starting quarterback when Brock Purdy and Tyler Huntley get their starts today. Like, wow. So that's just, you know, part and parcel of the job description. You know, Matt Stafford, we could go over, over all of them, but – um, the that that to me is, and, and candidly, like that to me is one of my concerns about him is because he's not fast enough or quick enough to get out of harm's way. He is more likely than not to get you know hit a lot, and that obviously leads to injury. That's not to say he's going to get injured, but again, if we were running a team and we were looking at outcomes, like what's more likely than not, that's more likely. I hate that stat. 57 quarterback start and the only reason I hate it is because you know what that means there's going to be more defensive penalties called more roughing the passers called and more uh you know more more different ways to slow the pass rush down but um uh talk to me about Purdy talk to me about um what your expectations are for him this week yeah he to me he played really well um I thought he played with really good confidence got the ball out you know, Miami throws a lot out you at you in terms of, like, pressure packages. So now he has a full week to prepare. I mean, the other thing that's really remarkable, guys, is, and Larry Kiwi certainly knows this, like, as the year goes on, your practices get shorter and shorter, mm. you know, for the obvious reasons. You got, you know, teams are getting worn down. So if you're the backup, you know, I can't imagine he was getting a lot of reps at practice. So, you know, I give him even more credit. Now, look, we know that Todd Bowles likes to dial up a lot of exotic uh, blitzes. If I'm Kyle Shanahan – you know, a little bit of what we talked about with Mike LaFleur a couple minutes ago, you have a, a really good roster run after catch, you know, most notably George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and, of course, Christian McCaffrey. So I'm keeping him out of harm's way, especially early in the game, let him get settled down. But I was impressed by his poise and accuracy. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. The bomb is about to be dropped. It's Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week. And it's brought to you by Sandwell Institute for Pain Management. All right, Mike, what do you have for us this morning? Yeah, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow for the first time being the Cincinnati, uh, the Cleveland Browns in a game, something that he's never done before. So I, I like the uh, Bengals over the Browns 28-14 to 14 today, and it's kind of been Joe Burrow's nemesis. But um, I think they could actually go ahead, and I think they're going to beat the Browns pretty handily today. And I think the Bengals are about as hot a team right now as there is in the league. Wow, that's interesting, Mike. Are they peak? This is the time you want to peak, right? If you're Cincinnati, yeah. And I think you know, myself included, a lot of us were you know criticizing early on, like how bad that rebuilt offensive line was playing, and uh, no more. Like they've played a lot better in recent weeks, um, and I think this is the one team right now that you know nobody wants to play. Um, I, they they would have like the fifth seed if the playoffs started today, um, but I think that could change pretty quickly here. Sitting here at eight and four, and um, they're they're coming. I think they're coming in a hurry, and um, their best football I think is ahead of them. If they get healthy and keep all those skill players um, where they were a year ago, they could get back to the Super Bowl. That, that's that's easier easier said than done. Um, how how do you go about keeping everybody as healthy as you possibly can? I know some things you just you just can't avoid, but you know you think about what you just said earlier about practices getting shorter. You know, as as the course of the year goes on, and you know the Giants have always been plagued with injuries, especially like soft tissue injuries. that has been talked about. You know, whether the turf fields or not. Uh, what are the kinds of things like front office decisions that go into trying to keep players healthy? Yeah, I think it, part of it, you know, co- comes back to the continuity. You know, the fact that you know Burrow's been with Jamar Chase going back to LSU, like. He's coming off of a hip injury. I think you do a lot this time of year with walkthroughs, um, extra meeting time. So, if, uh, again, I don't know the details of what the injury was, but um, when you're dealing with a hip, I would really err on the side of caution. And one of the things we used to do is, like, we would get with the trainers, and if you're talking about a wide receiver who you want to limit in practice and they have whatever, eight to ten of the reps, you want to make sure those are the eight or ten reps where they're getting the ball. And I know sometimes that sounds obvious, but – if you don't plan ahead, you don't want a receiver running all these routes where they're not, you know, the primary receiver or run play. So I think there's efficiencies on how you can script practice. We'll get to the calls in a second. But, Mike, how how important is it for Cleveland's front office to see Deshaun Watson round into form before this season ends, understanding that with the full training camp and everything hopefully being, quote, normal, unquote, going into next season, you'd expect him to be closer to what we saw in Houston. You know, Larry, I think the big thing as we talk about Deshaun Watson, it's progress. He has to play better this week than a week ago, and candidly, that shouldn't be very hard. He was terrible last week. Um, and we got we got to remember, like, I'm not defending, you know, Deshaun Watson, what he did. Obviously, those are very, very serious allegations. But from a football standpoint, we got to remember, the guy is human. Like, he went 700 days without playing. And um, I, I said last Sunday night, like, every coach in America from high school to junior college to college to pros – sort of celebrated that quietly because it shows you like hey guys we need to practice and um (laughs) he was he dirted some balls like he just didn't look right and again like it's going to take a minute but I think if I'm Kevin Stefanski I just want to see a better Deshaun Watson this week than a week ago 
How significant, I know Deshaun Watson's contract had an um, impact on Lamar Jackson. How significant is his plays? Are you, you just said, like, you know, over 700 like, days without playing, so that's significant. But um, is his play going to affect Lamar's ability to negotiate guarantee? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think that's going to come down to Lamar and Baltimore. And, you know, Lamar's a really prideful guy who's going to say, hey, I'm in the same division and I've outplayed this guy and I'm not taking anything less. And the Ravens are going to sit there and say, hey, Lamar, we love you. We think the world of you. But here's 15 contracts that look a certain way where they have a lot of guaranteed money but not fully guaranteed, and we're not going to be bound by one team's mistake. Interesting. That is going to be very interesting. And, and Mike, as you negotiate with agents of players, how, how tough is that from, that from the agent and the player's side to play through while you're negotiating or trying to play to get taking a chance on yourself, much like uh, we saw what Aaron Judge was able to do with the Yankees, right? He took a bet on himself, turned down the contract, and just, you know, had a phenomenal year. Obviously, football, a little different. But what, what's that pressure like? What's that negotiation like from the front office standpoint and then from the agent standpoint? Yeah, um, you know, I think what we just saw, like the best example of that, Larry, could obviously be Aaron Judge, you know, where the Yankees put a, what they thought was a very meaningful offer on the table in spring training, and he, he goes out and has a season for the ages, and, you know, the rest is history. Um, you know, but the inverse can happen, too, where a player doesn't live up to expectations. Now, we could sit here and say, hey, you know, not all injuries are created equal, and I think a big injury this year was Rashad Bateman. He was a young emerging receiver for the Ravens, and, I think it'd be hard for anybody to be productive. They just don't have depth at that position. You know, Devin Duvernay is their second leading receiver after Mark Andrews. So I don't put all that on um, Lamar Jackson by any stretch. Hmm. Talking about players suffering injuries in um, contract years, Saquon Barkley now with the neck injury is 50-50 to play this week. How would that affect you looking at his contract and, and negotiations moving forward? I think he's a guy you have to have. I don't see how the Giants are competitive the next two to three years without him. I mean, if they get in the playoffs, I'm hard-pressed to say how he's not in the uh, MVP conversation just from a standpoint of when he touches the ball every single time, it's a potential of a big, big play, and you need chunk plays in the NFL. So I know that in the back of my mind, hey, a 17-game season, maybe he plays 14 games, 15, 12 a year or two, but – I'd rather have 14 games of Saquon Barkley than 17 games without him. <laughs> no doubt about that. Mike Tannenbaum's bomb of the week has Cleveland finally losing to Cincinnati. It's brought to you by Samuel Institute for Pain Management. For a pain-free life, visit SamuelPain.com today. Let's go to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, thanks for holding. You're on New York Game Day. Listen, I'll hold any day of the week for you, Matthias, and my man, Mike T. What's going on, baby? Ah! <laughs> Morning. All right. Listen, you know, circling back to the Jets, man, like the offensive line and the musical chairs is absolutely not what you want. It's been all season. That definitely bears watching. Uh, LaFleur, uh, listen, he doesn't need to, to run it on third and, and short or fourth. He needs to run it 50-50. Or at least 60-40. I mean, God, anytime he gets a quarterback that can actually see the field, he gets past happy. You need to calm down a little, bro. But listen, you know, what What I really am keying on in, in terms of this game is a defensive-specific position of linebacker. You got, you know, Mosley, Alexander, and Williams. They've been phenomenal all year. Uh, and each game is going to have its different identity. So what Buffalo did the last game, they're not necessarily going to do this game. They've been running the ball a little better with Singletary and Cook. 
But you know that they're going to spread the Jets out. And the purpose being for that is, obviously, the quarterback is a run option. So, you know, when I look at those linebackers, not only are they going to have to be able to make tackles in space on Allen and the backs, but they're going to test them in coverage. You understand what I'm saying? And, like, you know, that's where, you know, I think that that's the vital part of this game. Like, nobody's really been talking about These linebackers are good. They're really good. But they're going to get pressed today in the middle of the field. You understand what I'm talking about? From the 5 to to 15-yard route, you know? Yep, definitely. Thanks for the call. All right, guys, what do you think? I, I, I think I understand his perspective. Um, my question, uh, I'll put this one to Mike. He talked about, you know, he, he needs to he needs to run the ball, and uh, uh, Mike White's not a veteran quarterback, so he probably doesn't have a whole lot of say in what they're what they are going to do or what they're what they're not going to do, right? But think about a situation like in um, New England, right? You have Belichick and Mac Jones, a quarterback who has voiced his displeasure and a long stay, you know, coach who has a lot of control. As a GM, how do you manage that situation when you have a, a, a star quarterback? I'm not putting Mike, Mark, Mac Jones in that star quarterback category quite yet, but let's say you have a star quarterback and you have a, either a coordinator or a coach who disagree. How do you smooth that order? How do you get those two to, to, to focus and get on the same page? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I appreciate Buddha's question and his, his passion for us each week. Um, but look, you know, some creative tension, like that's going to happen. Like guys are competitive. Um, you just don't want it to err, you know, on the sidelines. Um, you know, we saw that with uh, Russell Wilson and uh, Purcell, a, a defensive lineman, a couple weeks ago. Like typically, like what we say is like if that's on the sidelines, like imagine what's going on behind closed doors. Same thing with Mac Jones. Like if he's frustrated and you're seeing that, publicly imagine what that's like behind closed doors so um and going back to the game today I I think what's really interesting is I think both defenses guys could take away what the other team does well meaning like are they going to double Stefan Diggs and is Josh Allen going to have to go to his second or third option is that going to be Gabe Davis uh John Brown was activated and then on the other side like are they going to make Mike White process information and go through his reads and um get to the second and third uh option and again like this is an offense line that's going to have its seventh different combination and i think that chess match could ultimately make the difference in the game it's it's obvious and we talk about it all the time you want to stay out of second and third and long situations but for this jet offense i think today guys it's imperative that they that they do that and i'm what really surprised me which i think says a lot well maybe not say a lot but to me says something about Zach Wilson and Mike White and the confidence that the the coordinator has in both of them. Guys, we were talking about, you know, with Zach Wilson, why don't they pick up the tempo, especially against New England? Like, you, you had two yards in the second half. Pick up the tempo. Do some know-how to do some. You didn't see that with Zach Wilson. We've seen it on a couple of occasions with Mike White. It just seems as though that maybe, I don't know whether they practiced it more or anything, not being the day-to-day guys, but it just seems like maybe there's more confidence in Mike White's ability to handle the hurry-up offense despite having changes on your offensive line. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, um, look, I, I think it's one of these things where it's a little bit of a work in progress, and this is where... You know, football to me nowadays is almost like it's very game plan specific because you could have, you know, think about the thousands of hours that Mike LaFleur and Zach Wilson spent together going back to, you know, March, April, the walkthroughs, you know, the emails, the texts, you know, all that time just goes really like out the window. And now all of a sudden you have to say like, all right, 
we got Mike White. Like, what does he do well? And against Minnesota, you know, the last two weeks, like, he hung in the pocket and really threw the ball well. Really, really good accuracy, good anticipation. I think he has a good arm. I don't know if it's a great arm, um, but his decision-making has been really good. And maybe you do go no huddle a little bit today. You know, that is a way – look, a lot of it depends on the crowd. You go no huddle and that crowd's, yeah. you know, foaming at the mouth. It's hard because now you're going to wind up with some false starts. But if you can somehow get control of this game, you know, to, to go some no huddle up-tempo sometimes – that does keep the defense on his heels. And Kiwi, I got to think from your perspective, you know, that was something that, you know, I, I can't imagine you like defending that, uh, <laughs> those situations. No, no, I definitely didn't enjoy it when you get trapped out there on the field and, and the team is going no huddle. But I think, um, uh, like you said, like when you have uh, a coach on the sideline who can play towards the player's strengths, and I'm you know switching it over to the defensive side of the ball, but I think it, it, it balances out, right? It's the same thing. If you have a coach that can play to everybody's strengths, I think things that we did defensively was we had enough people on the field, myself included, who knew multiple positions so that we could run on one group of players and play multiple fronts, play multiple checks, and everything was still remaining seamlessly. I don't know what the offensive equivalent would be, be for that, and if Mike White is in a situation to orchestrate the offense that way, can he does he have enough um, practice under his belt to orchestrate that offense? Yeah, we'll find out today, possibly. And Kelly, though, like to that point, though, like you, you could go into the game and say again, like just to try bring the audience behind the curtain, like the, the amount of work that goes into Zach Wilson somehow, you know, that's a little bit, you know, flushed down the toilet. But you could still say to Mike White, "Hey, we're going to have two drives here." of up-tempo, so let's focus on 10 plays that you love that mm-hmm. you know, we could run. And sometimes you could run the same play and just, like, flip the formation so the concepts are the same. So mm-hmm. it's not ideal. It's not a full playbook. But you do want to give yourself a couple of different ways to, uh, you know, attack Buffalo, and especially, like, without Von Miller, you know, maybe their depth can be tested a little bit. And, you know, best way to slow down pass rush is to tire them out. It's the chess match that is the National Football League, right, guys? It's New York Game Day on 98.7 ESPN. When we return, we'll talk more about the Giants. We'll go around the NFL. We'll have some predictions. Of course, we're leading you up to Jets pregame with Diane Grassa and Greg Buttle on 98.7 ESPN. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Larry Hardstein for Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka, Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, I'm going to get your thoughts on this Giants-Philadelphia Eagles game today at MetLife Stadium at 1 o'clock. Obviously, 
uh, as Kiwi mentioned, Saquon Barkley 50-50 to play today. If you're the Giants, what what's the recipe to try to get a win against a very heavily favored and very talented Eagles team at home? Um, I think guys, you know, Ron Rivera gave us that answer a couple of weeks ago when the Commanders beat um, the Eagles. You know, it's basically you want to play keep away, um, and with Saquon Barkley, you know, you certainly can do that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, Daniel Jones quietly. You know, his interception rate is only 1.4%, which is fourth best in the NFL, um, which is way, way down. Now, he does get sacked a little bit too much. We know that, um, 29th in terms of sacks per dropbacks. Um, so they're going to have to clean that up. But they're going to have to control the line scrimmage, and they're going to have to run the ball. And obviously, you know, all eyes will be on, you know, Saquon's uh, health situation. But if he can play, um, you know, this is a game that I think Brian Dayball is going to see this through the lens of, you know, Don Martindale, his talented defensive coordinator, and just try to limit the Eagles to the extent you can. Yeah, you definitely have to try to try to keep them off the field and, and do as much as you can to, to limit them. Um, you, you touched on Daniel Jones, you know, obviously we've talked all year about his contract. Like, where would you be at? Where would your mindset be um, at this point in the season, given what he's done? Yeah, I, I lost you there. Can you just – Repeat that, please. Do you think Daniel Jones has done enough? We're still talking about the yeah, contract discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say this, Kiwi. We've talked about this before. Look, I don't think it's perfect. And, you know, I did the their game against Commanders uh, last week with Steve Levy. And he he's a really hard evaluation because he has real run skills. Like, he could put his foot in the ground make people miss. I mean, some of the things he can do is really impressive. There was a play, though. It was late in the game, third and seven. They get blitzed. And... The Giants initially pick it up, and he winds up taking a sack and doesn't get through his reads fast enough. You look at that, you're like, okay, can that get better with experience? And I don't think he's perfect, guys, but I do think I would sign him because who's going to replace him? And they've won too many games. There's going to be three first-rounders, Will Levis out of Kentucky, Bryce Young out of Alabama, and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. There's no way they're going to get any of those three guys. So now the question is, if you let Daniel Jones, if you don't extend him, who's your replacement? Mike, from a front office position, how do you going into the offseason and reviewing this season, if you're the Giants, how do you look at it? You really exceeded all expectations, maybe not inside, but you exceeded expectations from the experts. I mean, you're in the playoff spot in, in week 14. Uh, but you, you're, it's a new regime. You want to put your stamp on things. You know you need some other improvement. How important is it for you to be – brutally honest with where you are as to say, well, we've got some things here. Brian Debo coached up the guys. They're better than what we thought we were going to be, but we still need some players. How important is it for you to be as honest as possible to move forward? Yeah. You know, Larry, that's a really good point. And we've talked about this a little bit. You know, the giants may have a better team next year and a worse record. You know, they've won mm-hmm. a lot of close games and that's where you just have to say, Hey, Brian Dayball, Daniel Jones, do we like the trajectory overall? Because, there's so many things to be encouraged by. You know, they're clearly well coached. They're not being themselves. We talked about the turnovers already. Um, so that foundation's really good. Um, they need a massive influx of talent, really, at all the critical positions. Outside of, you know, offensive tackle, I mean, corners, receivers, I mean, a couple more linebackers. This is a team that needs a lot of help. And to Brian Dayball's credit, he's done a great job this year. What about bringing some veterans in? Do you think that, you know, helping the younger guys or the guys in general understand, like, what the, the NFL life is all about when you have when you have younger guys at the helm? Do you think that it could help them to have some veterans in each room? 
I, I do, but I think it has to be measured because I think you that's clearly going the right direction. I don't think you have to go out and sign four guys at big time money. You know, one of the things, one of the many lessons that Coach Belichick taught me was, the to, and I don't think he was perfect at this, but I think he was pretty close. Was you know, typically you want the highest pay guy uh, in each position room to be homegrown. And I think some of the mistakes I've made in my career is when we've gone out and signed a big-time free agent and you have some guys in your own room that are like, well, wait a second, what about me? Like, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but if they brought in somebody and paid a running back not named Saquon Barkley, um, that that creates <clears throat> problems from a standpoint of, hey, like, I'm doing it right, and why am I not getting paid? So I think you, you do want to bring in guys appropriately, but I think it has to be measured and make sure that that core of the team is homegrown. When we return on New York game day, we're going to go through some of the big games of the weeks, and we've got predictions. And I'm going to let uh, Mike Tannenbaum and Matthias Kiwanuka handle that. If you guys follow me on Cover 5, you don't want any of my predictions. Or if you do, <laughs> you take what I say and go the opposite way. It's New York game day next on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Who's going to win? Let's do some predictions. Prediction time on New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Mike T, get us started. Well, uh, in terms of the Jets, I got to go Buffalo 28, Jets 17. I just don't think Mike White's a great matchup with the Bills and in fairness, not many teams are. That's a really hard place to play, arguably, as any place in the league right now, Buffalo in December. So I think uh, the Bills are going to top the Jets today. Kiwi, what do you think? Yeah, I'm very similar, I think. I had uh, Buffalo 31, Jets 20. Um, I just think, you know, experience and, you know, home field advantage, weather, all, all the, the circumstances, um, just going to be a little bit too much for the Jets. not saying it can't be done, just saying it's highly unlikely. I'm going to make it a threesome there. I think Buffalo wins again. I'll do something like 28 to 20. All right, Kiwi, give me Giants-Philly. Giants-Philly, I feel like this one could potentially go either way, but mainly because Saquon Barkley is 50-50. Regardless of whether or not he plays, it's going to have an effect on how they're going to have to prepare for the game. So you're talking about having to make significant changes based on whether or not you're going to have the, the focal point of your team, not just your offense in the game. So I have the Eagles at 31 and the Giants at 23 on this one. Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go New York Giants 35, Eagles 34. Wow. Um, yeah, my gut is Barkley plays, and I don't know, but here's why. They didn't bring up a running back off the practice squad. And the other thing is, um, here's the axiom that I'm going with today, guys. Sometimes you build a team that gives you the most problems. So 
you build a team that's around Jalen Hurts and his athletic ability, I think Daniel Jones makes one or two plays in the fourth quarter to give them the win today. Wow, that's a lot of points, Mike. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go chalk, guys. I'm going to go Eagles here, but I think it's going to be closer. I'm going to do something like 27-20. I, I think the Giants are going to. Their defense is going to keep it close, and they'll find a way to get some points. So Kiwi will be happy with me, but I, but I think he'll be ecstatic with you, Mike, if you're giving them a win <laughs> for the game today. That that's that that's a good one. That's interesting. All right, guys, let's talk about some other games this week. Here's one I'm curious about, and we'll you'll find out in a second why I have another side to this. It's Tampa Bay and Frisco. Obviously, Purdy. Uh, Kiwi, you talked with Mike about him earlier. What's he going to? How can he build on that against a Tampa Bay team, Mike? That Tom Brady, we saw him with that final drive. He's been struggling. They've had some injuries, offensive line, so on and so forth. But that final drive last week, I don't know. That kind of spurs them on. I think I think that gives them a chance to to have a win today in Frisco. You know, I think this is an incredibly low scoring game. Uh, the 49ers defense is just absolutely outstanding, and. Um, Tampa's really struggling on offense for reasons I understand and can't leave some that I don't because I thought they'd be a lot better. Um, and then I think, again, we talked about this earlier. I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have to say, like, what gives us the best chance to win right now? And that's, you know, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. So I think this game is, like, in the teens. Like, I, I really think it's, like, 14-10, 17-14. Um, I think both defenses are much better than their opposing offense. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do a prediction on this game. But I think, um, you know, we we have to talk about San Francisco's defense a lot more when you're when you're in this conversation. However, the only issue I have is you can't count Tom Brady out under mm-hmm. any circumstances. So I do believe it will be a, a closer game than not. But I still think San Francisco edges them out on this one. All right, now Mike, this is for you. Earlier, uh, earlier today, Kiwi and I were talking about Tom Brady because there's a report that came out that. You know, he's going to keep his options open, so he intends to, with the right deal, come back for another year. This was Dan Olofsky on the Michael K. show earlier this week, and he has a place possibly for Tom Brady next year. Listen to this. I don't want to stir up anything here, but I'm just being dead honest. What happens if the Jets don't have an answer? Would he do that? It's like going from the Yankees to the Red Sox. Why not? I mean, if you if you look at the landscape of the league and who's going to need a guy and who's a team that you can sit there and say, man, we're really good quarterback away from being like, wow, we, we, we have a, a real chance here. There's going to be teams who need quarterbacks. They're not, they're not a quarterback away. You know, the Jets are going to have a incredibly young and very good defense. They're going to have a very good offensive line. We've seen really good skill players and one of them isn't even there they will be one of those teams that all of us can sit there honestly and say they get really good quarterback play they can make a lot of noise and I, and it's hard for us to place anybody else ahead of them like clearly ahead of them um would he do it i don't know because of the patriot ties and all that but I, I, like I, it, they will be a team that fits a lot of the criteria all right mike t what do you think about that I think there's 0% chance, and I said the same thing to, to, to Michael K. on Friday for a number of reasons. Typically, whatever Dan says, I disagree, so we can just start right there. Uh, but there's no way Tom Brady's going to the Jets. I'm just telling you guys, there's no way that's going to happen. So there's a lot of places he can wind up, which, by the way, could include Tampa Bay, but there's a much greater chance that he would go back to the Patriots before he would ever play for the Jets. Are you what sold you on the fact that he's coming back next year? Ooh. You know, I, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. But, um, you know, Dominic Foxworth has said it really well, which is like, you know, for us mere mortals, any of us would have, you know, 
retired 10 years ago if we had Tom Brady's wealth, fame, stature. Uh, but there's something that's between his ears that he just has this unyielding uh, love of the game, which mm-hmm. it's irrational to the point, like, why is he still playing? So um, that's a great question, Kiwi. Um, it's got to end at some point, right? So yeah. um, just don't know when that is. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.